teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. podcast have a very special guest today feels like it's been um been a few years since um we've been trying to get the guy on but um our schedules aligned the planets aligned uh have jake painting um timbles extraordinaire from from australia um really appreciate you jumping on man how are you going tonight yeah i'm going really well i'm happy that we finally lined this <laughs> up somehow but yeah we're here now and I, i'm really glad to be here and to be talking to you man yeah appreciate you man it's um it's good i've did I did a um, Timberwolves season preview uh, with Jack Borman about, I think it was probably like four months ago, um, and we were talking to him pretty hyped about the team for this year. And even though it's been really up and down, um, he kind of expertly predicted it that that um, the things will be tough, but there will be some exciting flashes, and, and we've seen a lot of those. And um, yeah, it's cool to be able to get you on and and you know talk about some of the cool things you've been doing, you're doing your own independent stuff, which is really, really great to see. So yeah, appreciate you jumping in. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and um, the Timberwolves work you do and, and how you got into the game of basketball originally? Yeah, so obviously, as you can tell from the the trans-Tasman accent uh, <laughs> from Australia, and yeah, it's uh, I was there for a little bit over in Minnesota, and then I kind of come back and... Um, I guess the love grew from there and, and as is the case with you and I'm sure everyone listening has it, kind of just in, ingrained on, in us somehow that we're these hoop heads and yeah, so I've, I've always wanted to, to do something to do with the team and I guess I, I started writing probably five or six years ago and just started uh, at you know SB Nation, Candace Hoopers, the, the Timberwolves kind of uh, section of, of SB Nation and yeah, since this probably halfway through this this past off season I kind of moved all my work over to, to a sub stack um, where I obviously do it all myself all independent like you said and, and um, I'm having a lot of fun with that I, I really do feel like I've kind of found my voice and found my little my little section of, of Timberwolves land um, can be a great place or a terrible place <laughs> Depending on, depending on what day it is um usually usually terrible for the last you know 20 years that i've been following the team but um yeah i'm i'm having a blast really with with, with the independent stuff and i'm putting out a lot of work and I'm, I'm kind of really dedicated at the moment to to making this work for myself and I, yeah like i said I, I feel like i've kind of hit my stride really well so yeah, awesome. Howls and Growls, it's called um, on Substack. So, you know, if you are interested, you can always go over there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been really good so far. And, and the Wolves have been playing well this season, so they've kind of shown yes. up for me at least and, and, and it's given me some good content to pump out. I love it, man. I love it. And, I, look, honestly, heads off to you, man, going out there and just going after it. Like, I know how tough it is when you're first, like, you've been in the game for a bit and, you, you know, you're trying to make your way and obviously make a crust and, and do really good content. So, not only has it been cool to see you go out and do stuff on your own, but like it's cool to see the really cool people supporting you. And like Dane Moore yeah. has been a dude that I follow. Um, you know, I don't, don't get to watch as much Timberwolves as I'd like, but people supporting each other. And it's like we're lifting each other up. People, you know, maybe they go out of jobs or in jobs or, or whatever it is, we're supporting each other because we're doing cool content. So I like it's cool scrolling the, twi- the timeline and seeing not only your following growing, but you put yourself out there and you created a cool little platform. And, um, 
yeah i know we have some wolves followers on this pod um i don't know how many subs how many of our subs are but um yeah go follow um jump on twitter or call your handle out at the end and um get some cool um yeah subscribe to um you know to to the the sub stack and, and just get in there and follow jake and his work so we're going to jump in now talk on the team um up and down year and what's been a funny funny old start in the western conference injuries um not just for the wolves but you sort of see we knew that we knew the western conference was going to be really really um, competitive there probably hasn't been any teams i feel that have fallen out yet there were only sort of three or four which couldn't be in it meaning that the timberwolves were probably in between i don't know five and eight teams that were vying for seeds anywhere between 10 and and five um how how do you before we jump into record and, and defensive rating and all that sort of stuff how do you feel um, about the team's actual play for what we've seen on the court this season? Because we've obviously seen a big change in their fortunes over the last couple of weeks. But how do you feel, you know, after 20-odd games, how do you feel about them um, as of right now? Yeah, confused still, I think. <laughs> uh, um, it's just been, it's been so volatile, man. Like, it's, you know, it started off really well and, and the, the optimism was was blooming around the fan base, but but that optimism came off the back of wins, you know, against uh, the Pelicans and the Rockets, and and then they had a good win against the Bucks, and, and it kind of was still very early to tell, you know, what what was really going on. This kind of stuff happens at the start of the season with you know a bunch of teams every year. It's it's, it's very volatile at the start, and then they they really slip into a funk, and it. it it definitely feels like the same old Timberwolves again. Uh, I think they lose six in a row, a couple of really bad losses. They get blown out by the Magic at home. Um, that was probably the, the low point. There was a, a loss to the Pelicans in there as well, and, and it really just felt like the sky was falling. And then, yeah, they, they on a dime, kind of turned that around again. And uh, seven of their last nine games they've won, uh, and that includes the loss. Yesterday to the Wizards, uh, the, the defense is really good, which is, you know, again, just like this this confusing aspect of the whole season because if we sat here, you know, looking forward two months ago, we probably would have said if the, if the Timberwolves have won seven of their last nine games, it would be because the offense is really clicking and it's kind of dragging the defense along. Um, it's been the opposite of that. The offense kind of still hasn't clicked yet and they still seem to be a very competitive team on a nightly basis, which is as good as you can hope for. Like you said, in the, in the brutal Western conference, which, which isn't even at its best right now, but it's still just so competitive kind of from, from one to 11 or 12 uh, that you could definitely lose on any night or, or as the Timberwolves are proving, they can kind of win on any night as well. Um, Mm -hmm. A couple of big wins over Miami and Philadelphia, which were in that win streak. and, And then, yeah, it, it's it's really good to see them kind of being able to win those games, but also when I try and you know put a pin in where they are on the season, it, it, it is really confusing because I don't know what version of, of the team we're going to get on a night-to-night basis, and maybe that's just what they are. Maybe that's just the, the nature of being a, a 500 team is that you can beat any team and you can also lose to any team, and, and maybe they're going to have four game win streaks and four game losing streaks throughout the season. But right now, when you, the first word that comes to mind when you ask me is, is confusion because <laughs> I just, I just don't really know right now, but I do know that they're, 
they are competitive and from where they have been the last few years or at least since since Jimmy Butler kind of you know threw the toys out of the pram and 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 left um that's it's definitely an upgrade yeah agreed yeah confusion is probably a good way to explain any Timberwolves fandom from the past 20 years <laughs> yeah this is this is optimistic confusion which is a good optimistic version confusion is that is that a name of a Timberwolves the next SB National fan site site it should be that's, that's a really you could make some t-shirts man sell them on the Substack. um I also like your realism like I like I don't I don't want my the people listening into these pods are like don't want bullshit it was just look tell me where the team is at if yeah. our team is shit and we're, we're six and 25 let's just talk about us being bad and then talk about the bright spots when we see them so I I really appreciate that realism I think we're going to start on the on the defense, um, when I checked cleaning the glass uh, just before, I think we had se- yeah, seventh. So the seventh best defense. Obviously, we we didn't have the um, the massive off- offensive explosion from last season that that would that would alter some of these stats. But we have seen you know some teams struggling with the new foul rules, and there are a few changes. But when I look at that, and I, and it's a hundred and five point nine defensive rating, you know, very very good defense, and. Um, it seems, and, and I don't, I don't always want to use Twitter narratives as um, you know a reason that a team is bad, but things like um, D'Angelo Russell's defense, and then obviously Carl Anthony Towns' defense, things that have been focused on either rightly or wrongly. Rudy Gobert could be jumping out into the perimeter and defending guards, um, and he could do that for for eighty one out of eighty two games, and then people would still be like that guy do you know what i mean so yeah yeah obviously the people that watch the watch the games and that break it down from nexus and o standpoint will be able to pinpoint the reasons as to why the team is better but what i see for the few games that i've watched is effort at high levels seems like the rotations that that players are making are, are smarter and then you've also got younger guys that are in there we talked about mcdaniels that was one thing that, that um, jack and i talked about on the on the pod um, you've obviously got other other guys that are putting in increased effort. Um, can you talk about the difference of um, scheme with with obviously a new coach um, that's helped the defense, and then maybe some of the individuals that have ratcheted up the effort or put in work over the off season to help this be a top ten defense? Yeah, and it really does start with the scheme. Uh, since Carl Anthony Towns got drafted, the the Timberwolves have always played in, in a drop scheme. Uh, obviously with with Cat staying close to the basket and kind of trusting the the point of attack defenders to fight over that pick and roll screen and, and contain the ball handler and and that's that's lasted throughout you know, Ryan Saunders, Tom Thibodeau, um, Sam Mitchell, Flip Saunders, you know, tragically passed before Cat um, got to play a game with him, but but he was running the drop scheme as well uh, and, and planned on running one. So that had been the status quo, and I think. Finally, to you know, to the delight of a lot of Timberwolves fans, Chris Finch has come in and, and moved Cat all the way up to the level of the screen when when they're defending pick and roll. And I wasn't sure whether it would work, but I was sure that it was something different, and it, it was time to to do something different because, like you said, Cat had got a bad reputation. I think a lot of that reputation was was pretty justified, uh, and. A lot of it was also because the scheme really just played against him. And when you have a guy who who has below average defensive tendencies, you know, Cat doesn't make 
quick decisions. You know, when he's put in a in a position to make quick decisions, he he often makes the wrong one. Uh, he's got fairly slow feet in in terms of kind of you know containing two guys at once when when a ball handler is getting downhill and he still has to protect the the role man, the big guy from from getting a shot at the rim. Um, now you know Finch comes in and he moves him all the way up. They're pretty much trapping ball handlers out of the pick and roll every time down. Um, that allows Cat to use his size. It, it, it puts less onus on him to be the the savior of the defense when when mm-hmm. guys do you know inevitably let people let the the point of attack kind of ball handlers get past them. Which even if it's Pat Beverly or Jaden McDaniels, that's that's going to happen. Um, you know, you, you you're obviously a Blazers guy. It doesn't matter if you're Pat Beverly or if you're Marcus Smart or who you are. Like Damian Lillard will get past you. Yeah. Um, so at least having Cat up there, not having to put all the onus on him to be the savior, has really helped. And then and then all the action is is behind Cat now, and that's where you can really use the Jaden McDaniels and you can use the Jared Vanderbilt, who's putting together an all defensive type season at the moment as a as a weak side helper and as a as a low man to kind of you know rotate over from a corner and and stop the roll man, then rotate back out and, and scramble to stop three-point shooters. Um, Anthony Edwards has really embraced that role, which is huge because he was just, just awful kind of in his in his rookie season defensively. Um, and then obviously Pat Beverly has come in as well and, and, and kind of stamped his authority on the culture and a guy who can who can walk the walk after doing a lot of the, the talking. So I think the scheme, it does start with the scheme, but then... Now that you now that I think the players trust the scheme, and you mentioned D'Angelo Russell, who has very clearly, to to my knowledge, at least from when he's played with the Timberwolves and the the, the bits and pieces you catch as a, as a supporter who's watching him in other places, has just ramped up his defensive intensity tenfold. Um, seems to really enjoy playing in a scheme like this, where he can be uh, an off-ball defender who can use his length and his his basketball IQ rather than having to try and contain guys off the dribble and and he kind of just gets hidden in the corner but then he he really makes an impact from from that position um the scheme starts at all but then those guys have bought into the scheme and now you see yeah the athletic kind of players thriving and and really growing game by game um inside that scheme and and led by Vanderbilt and McDaniels and Pat Beverly um and and yeah it's worked which is still to me Super surprising, um, <laughs> just because I, I, I they've been so bad on defense for so long. Um, they've had a little bit of help from from Lady Luck with with the three point shooting variants. Um, I'm not sure if it's still the best three point defense in the league, but it was first by quite a margin for at least the first you know 15 to 20 games. Um, and a lot of that is just teams missing more shots than you know they do on other nights. Um, the Wolves do a lot of, you know, really good scrambling and really good closing out, but we've seen it over the years that three-point shooting can can really vary and, and doesn't matter a lot to do with the scheme and the defense. It just sometimes shots go in, sometimes they don't, but they're doing a really good job of protecting the paint and, and scrambling, you know, out to the perimeter and, and making good rotations. So, yeah, like you said, it, it, it's... It starts with the scheme and then it blends into the personnel and they all kind of amal- amalgamate together and, and what you have is, is right now a really good defense and a really consistent one. So 
yeah, it's been a blast to watch that kind of grow over the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, and it's good when a team that's been awful defense defensively, you start seeing some really real improvements. And I feel how a team plays defense is it says a bit about where the team is going. And um, you can't you can't be a good playoff team, you know, and win. I can say win championships because obviously I'm a Blazers guy, and you know, they haven't they haven't touched championships like um, you know the Wolves haven't done the same, you know. But yeah. that ultimately is the reason that you you that these teams are there, are there, they play, your organisation wants to win championships and that starts with defence. So I think that's been good. And even if people are pleasantly surprised that, you know, you've got guys there on max contracts, you want to see that contribute contribution on the defensive end. In terms of the offence, um, when I when I was doing some research for the pod, I saw that the three-point shooting from anyone not named Carl Anthony Towns was quite below a lot of guys' career averages. And, there's guys taking good volumes of threes um, and they're not awful numbers. You know, there's some quite a few 33% in there. Does, when you talk about three point variance for the defense, um, is it that the Timberwolves aren't getting good shots or guys like Beasley, their shot isn't really going in as much. Can Do you see some improvement from, from these guys that are usually say 35% or, or 38 or 39%? Do you see some improvement from these guys that will improve the offense and mean they'll win more games? Uh, what do you, what do you put that down to? Yeah, I do. Uh, it's it's a tough one because, like I said, it's it's helping them defensively and it seems to be hurting them offensively. Where where I'm, as you know, a really big X's and O's guy, and I have from from day one been really impressed with the way Chris Finch runs offense and, and particularly gets looks for three point shooters. Um, some of the the actions that he runs from Malik Beasley are just like really really high class actions and. They're just not hitting shots. Uh, D'Angelo Russell last night, as we sit here, shot one of twelve from three. I, I'd say at least nine or ten of them were, were open looks off off good actions uh, or you know well read plays by him to to kind of read the defense and get an open look. And it's kind of been the story of the season for him and Beasley specifically because they're the two, along with Towns, where you where you kind of expect them to hit at least 38% of their threes and, and they just haven't been able to do it for, for whatever reason. And we've seen that kind of around the league as a whole early on in the season. And, and we see it every season with some guys kind of dropping off and, and then gaining their rhythm again. I'd like to say that, that those two will start hitting shots, but it's, it's a tough one because right now every game you kind of expect them to break out and to hit six or seven threes and, and for that rhythm to, to come back. And, and even when they do, they've probably both had games that have had six or seven threes and then the next game it it tails off again. So to answer your question, I, I do expect it to come back. And in the same vein, I expect teams to start probably hitting more threes against Minnesota and, and maybe balance out that, I think it's 18th right now, the offensive rating kind of with the seventh defensive rating and maybe they both come closer towards each other but that's still a pretty big net positive I think just as someone who probably thought they were hovering around 10th on offense and maybe in the bottom 10 defensively before the season so you know if you get both of those to around you know middle of the pack 15th um, with that three-point shooting variance coming back into to normality uh, I think the Timberwolves as a team and the fan base will probably be pretty happy. Yeah, that's oh, that's some some really astute breakdown on that, and I think um, 
I think that the the social media age doesn't make it doesn't make it easy. You know, poor old Anthony Davis <laughs> starts the season with 20, 20 poor games shooting the ball when he's literally having one of his best you know yeah. years at the rim, and it's your um it's your friends at Basketball Forever that are um no and StatMuse. Sorry, I can't check Basketball Forever oh, under the boss on their own. Um, and I StatMuse has declined. Look, I submit things to them that are positive, and they they pop up, and it's good because I get a little bit of love for it. But um, it, it's hard because yeah, obviously it's the the click the clickbait era. But um, yeah, for fans, they just want to see obviously the ball go in, and I think as you said, they're getting some really really good looks in that regard. One thing, other interesting thing I found when I was researching for the pod, it seems like the the Wolves have a bunch of really interesting role and rotation players that are sort of all fighting for those, you know, fourth versus ninth sort of spots in the rotation. You know, I'm just going to call them out. So um, after the top three players, which are obviously Towns, Anthony Edwards, and D'Angelo Russell, we've got Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jaden McDaniels, Jared Vanderbilt, Nasri, Josh Okogi, and Torian Prince. It's actually, I suppose, it's really cool first to see some um, some good forwards there. You know, after not having, you know, see the arguments about is so and so a power forward, and no, yeah. there are there are two or there are five. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's good to see that, that they've got some real size and obviously got some really good defenders. Great to see them bring back Vanderbilt on a on a team friendly contract. Recently, Torian Prince just started, just got back in the rotation, and is starting to play. Um, Naz Reed is another guy that I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Who, who's really put their, their 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 hand up this year for a bigger role, not just for this season, but maybe for a bigger payday? And then who who you could, have you seen also that maybe will have their minutes uh, or their lease shortened a little bit as the season goes on out of those sort of eight or nine guys we mentioned? Yeah, um, I mentioned earlier, but I think Jared Vanderbilt's probably cursing at the fact that this season comes straight after getting that team-friendly deal because he has just been so awesome defensively. He's such a... Uh, he's just like a pure ball of energy uh, on, on the offensive glass. Um, really versatile defender, like a legitimate kind of one through small five defender. Yeah. Um, does it all. Really is one of those guys that you feel him when he's on the court. He can't shoot from outside of three feet, but, you know, you feel his presence at all times and the Wolves are just a, a much better team when he's on the floor. So... He's kind of locked down that starting four role, which was, as you said, a really big question mark uh, heading into the season. Um, Jade McDaniels has probably waned a little bit from from last season, but you, you still see the flashes of potential, and it's not uncommon for a second-year guy who's who's now had a year in the league to kind of be scouted and to to have the rest of the league figure him out a little bit to, to kind of wax and wane throughout the season. Um Gets, he, he's getting called for a lot of fouls, which he didn't get called for last season, which might just be kind of, you know, like like we said with the three-point variance, it's 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 just variance kind of with the referees picking up on things and then uh, zeroing in on them. But um, it, it it's mainly been Vanderbilt. Pat Beverly's been just awesome. Uh, he's obviously injured at the moment, which he, he tends to do throughout most of his seasons. But uh, he, he's just been kind of who he always has been, which is a a good three-point shooter, a great defender, and a really good kind of culture guy. Uh, Beasley has, like we said, just struggled with his shot, and he's a shooter. Um, it's never a good sign when pure shooters can't hit a shot because that's most of what they give you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like we said, Minnesota aren't shooting the ball well as a team, so 
he he I think will continue getting minutes even until you know it, it feels like he shouldn't anymore. But at the moment, he's just yeah very streaky. And like you mentioned, um, Nazareed is a, a fan favorite. He's just an awesome backup center. Um, the same with Vanderbilt. He probably goes home and curses him, curses at night that Carl Anthony Towns is the best player on the team because there's there's probably a lot of NBA teams where he could rack up 25 minutes a night. Um, and he's on you know a 1.8 million dollar contract with team options for the next few years. Like just a great contractor, a really productive bench big um so i think it's a mixed bag like torian mm-hmm. prince has been pretty average this season and, and, and way down on his shooting as well um but i think you you've really seen some guys having almost career worst years in, in prince and beasley and then you see guys like nas Reed and and vanderbilt who have probably cemented their place in the league for at least another five years just on the on the fact that we know they can play this way now and and Vanderbilt, if you're asking me to, to single out one in particular, Vanderbilt's definitely that guy that uh, he could be on, on every team right now. And I like to think that my glasses aren't too rose-tinted when I say that he's legitimately an, an all-defensive, you know, grouping kind of guy. I don't know if he would make the team as of today, but he would definitely be in the conversation because he's just, uh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, oh, that's great, man. Yeah, that really, really interesting little storylines there. Um. The, the, the team seems to have now got some guys on some team-friendly deals and um, I feel like the franchise is moving to a place where um, they're competitive but they've got young guys coming through that are interesting, even if like Josh Okogi, for example, you know maybe they're having a bit of a down year or McDaniels who had a great year but we know he can still be so great. Um, the team just seems to have a balance that it probably didn't have before. Um, you know, Obviously, it's still... They're still relatively expensive when you look at the guys that are there, but there's not a bunch of bad deals on the you know yeah. on the um, on the books. It's it's a team that looks healthy. It's got lots of excitement and and I feel that there's we know that Towns is um, one of the best centers in the league and maybe well not maybe and definitely is one of the greatest big men shooter of all time and and he's just going to continue I feel to improve as he now plays in a proper defensive system for the first time and we we know that he can improve a bit but. And Anthony Edwards, there's a guy here, the perfect running partner for Towns. And all of a sudden, the, the, the Wolves are starting to get some national coverage. You know, he has all these crazy dunks that are just basically blowing, um, you know, social media out of the water. And it's cool to see the smaller market, like, having some love, you know. And, yeah, like, we know he can do more than dunk. Like, don't – and I, I think that's always important, but it's great to see. How great has Anthony Woods been, and what and what's the buzz and excitement around him in Minnesota for the for the fan base? Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, just kind of as a sidebar, we were I was just at, at a shopping center last night with my girlfriend, and I went to go. She went to try on some clothes, and I went to go into you know one of the the sports stores, and um, she said there's not going to be anything Minnesota in there, like there never <laughs> is, and I said. Anthony Edwards is the guy who's going to end up getting these jerseys yes. in these stores, you know, overseas because yeah. he may not be better than Carl Anthony Towns, but he just has that kind of wow factor yeah. the same way that, that you walk in there and there's there's a hundred Zion jerseys and, and the Pelicans aren't very good because he is the, you know, the, the Hollywood personality that kind of ma- mashes with the really productive on-court game and the, the youth as well that, that is always a little bit um, blinding to, to what could become in the future. You, you often don't see 
the, the the flaws or what could happen in the future when these guys are so young and and that's and I love that um, I, I miss the days when Carlton Towns didn't get any criticism because he was 21 you know and it was just it was all improvement and, and, and uphill from there and and Anthony Edwards has just been a, a breath of fresh air on in a fan base that really craves that fresh air and he he like I said he he's got the personality to match with the on-court game. You just hear target center when when he gets on those little you know he goes on those fifteen point streaks and it'll include a dunk and a step back three and a, you know a crossover and it's just like he is it in terms of superstar personality uh, and superstar kind of aura around him. Uh, he's not there yet in terms of superstar game, but if if there's going to be a guy who brings the Timbers back onto the map kind of globally and, and just within the NBA market itself in terms of, you know, nationally televised games and uh, and marketing and, and the guy on the ads who who is wearing a Timberwolves jersey, it's going to be Anthony Edwards. Uh, and that's no disrespect at all to obviously Anthony Towns or, or D'Angelo Russell or the guys that will come before them, but Edwards just has something a little bit different and... Yeah, I think that the fan base has craved that something different, and now they've really latched on to to Ant. And you know, I'm I'm right there with them. Even as a guy who tries to separate himself, you know, and keep the like you said, the realism and the analyst mm. kind of mentality. It's it's hard not to switch on a game, and and you know, you feel your heart beating a little bit faster <laughs> when he gets that open lane. And uh, it, yeah, he he's just a joy to watch. Yeah, yeah, he's he's amazing, man, and 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 um, I love seeing the smaller fan bases just get get a bit of luck, you know, get a draft pick yeah. that, that that fucking works out, um, <laughs> and not just because of injuries or the the the, the um, you know the front office messing it up, but from time to time it's like you know I, I hear stats, and it might have been the Timberwolves or some, or another team they haven't moved up in the lottery for twelve seasons or something. Yeah, like that. well, like, I think before and what? it was like ever. They had never, they'd never moved up. I think they'd got yeah. some number one picks when they were the worst team in the league. Yeah, but yeah. they'd never actually moved from you know two to one. Yes. and yeah, you know when you look back on it, they probably could have stayed at three or two and got Lamelo Ball, and we would have been talking about him just as excited to you know, and and he's obviously a superstar in the making as well. But but Anthony Edwards has embraced Minnesota, and I think Minnesota have embraced Anthony Edwards. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's I'd... been fun. It's, it's it's awesome to see and and um it also makes people feel like the NBA isn't rigged towards the Lakers win some <laughs> yeah. of the smaller teams because you can't you can't no matter what you say you know there will always be people who will be like no this shit's rigged um what happened with LeBron's COVID test or what whatever it is <laughs> whatever the day's bullshit um rumor is but when when a team doesn't move up for a while and you're like come on man can we are we gonna suck for another twenty years yeah it's just it's 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 just really really cool to see. Um, in terms of of the direction now, the team, I, I feel like it, even though that they've obviously brought in the new coach and they've got Edwards now in the second year and Cat's on a max and, and Andrew Russell's on a near max, um, that the team is still, obviously now they, they want to be winning now. But can you, I'm not going to ask, are they, you know, they going to trade for Steph Curry or something stupid like that, but do you feel like the team is is looking to make some other moves on the margins. Um, obviously, they're not that expensive anymore. How are you feeling about long-term in terms of what moves they're trying to make just to just to bump themselves up in the West a little bit more? 
Yeah, it's it's one of those things that plays into the confusion that I spoke about earlier, where it's just like because the season has been so up and down, and because it's it's gone from you know this team is a is a bottom three team in the West to this team could be a you know sixth seed. I think they were tied you know a week ago for the fourth seed, and it was like where I wonder, and they've got a new. GM of your, you know, president of basketball operations. Obviously, Gerson Rosas was fired two days before the season or something. So that they've got an interim guy in there in Sachin Gupta. I know that he has the autonomy to to make moves, but I don't know what his internal monologue is telling him on on how to keep his job. You know, and does he have to make moves or does he, you know, not want to make a move because it could end up setting the franchise back even further, and then he immediately kind of you know, loses out on that on that job that he's he's right now auditioning for. Um, the Ben Simmons chatter was obviously rampant before the season and kind of, you know, into the start of the season. Um, I know for a fact that, that they wanted, like, that Rosas wanted him, that Gupta also really likes Ben Simmons. Um, I don't know what a, a deal, I never knew what a deal would look like or what, you know, Philly would ever be willing to accept from Minnesota. Um, I do think that right now, if, if you know, I had to pick a side of the fence to, to stand on, it would be that they probably need to add a little bit more depth um, and maybe not make too many big moves and, and try and foster some of this chemistry that they seem to be building at the moment. Um, they still need another big man. I think they get killed on the glass most nights, um, especially with Towns kind of moving further away from the basket defensively. They're, they've been letting even more offensive rebounds in. Um, I, th- I would wager that they probably try and grab another big at some stage, a rotation big. Um, but, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard. I think they need, they, they probably need a, a, another bench scorer, which uh, isn't the hardest kind of archetype to, to come across. But they it's also... You need the right one. I think they thought Malik Beasley would be that one, and he's been yeah very spotty. So I do think there's moves to be made on the margins. I wouldn't predict that they'd be out, you know, pining over Ben Simmons at the moment, but they would probably still be in, in the race if something presented itself. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm confused about the team, and I'm just as confused about I guess what what direction they're going because for all the you know, cautionary optimism that I've been um, spewing here. They're still, you know, ninth, I think, as of today in the West, and that's not yeah. where they want to be. Like, they they want to be, like all teams, they want to be a good team, not just a team that's better than terrible. They want to be actually good. And, and I think, as it stands, they're probably not built to be actually good. So there's moves to be made for sure. I'm just not sure what they are. Yeah, yeah, agreed. That's, that's, that's a good little breakdown there, man. In terms of the guys at the back end of the roster, that maybe the um, you know the listeners of the pod that I have some people that listen to every single podcast, um, even if they're a Suns fan, they will listen to the Wolves or whatever. But the dudes at the back of the roster, so uh, Leandro Balmaro, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, Jake Lehman, Jalen Noel, and then the two way guys who've obviously got Nathan Wright there as well. Um, what, what can you tell the listeners about those type of guys? So Noel got a bit of burn last year and is sort of like an interesting mm-hmm. type guy. Um, Jake Lehman's a fun dunker that you know probably got that deal and you know might not hang around in the, in the league much longer. Yeah, you've got Jake Lehman experience. Yes, I, I, Jake Lehman is, is is my guy. Um, what what um yeah, what can you tell the listeners about those guys and 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 yeah, what we can see potentially in the future from from some of them? Yeah, I, I think 
like you said, you've got the two-way guys who, who you can never really, you know, put a finger on what what's going to happen with them. A lot of them kind of just see out a season with one team and then move on to another team if they if they haven't cracked the rotation, which I, I do doubt that Nathan Knight or McKinley Wright will probably hang around. I think he was a, an undrafted uh, free agent. He, he obviously declared for the drafts last season and went undrafted. They, they really do like him. He's been playing awesome in the D League, but he's a very undersized point guard who who probably will, will end up, you know, a, a, a G League or a, a fringe rotation NBA guy for a while now. Nathan Knight was is, is the same way he played for Atlanta last season and actually got a bit of burn. I think he, he played 30-odd games for Atlanta, who were obviously a really good team when uh, Clint Capella was injured. So, he we, we like most fans, I think, like Nathan Knight, but when, like I said, when you have Cat and then you have Nazarene as a really good backup, you probably... Don't have room for another a true five. Um, the interesting ones are probably Noel and Balmaro. Um, Layman, as you said, is is just not really a fit anywhere. He's a a utility guy, but you know uh, there ha- there has to be a, a spate of injuries, I think, for him to get minutes. Um, Noel is a bucket. <laughs> like he's just one of those guys who's a bucket. Um, I like him. I think he's a very uh, context-dependent guy because he is a, he is just a, a scorer and a, and a, a high-usage kind of role player, which is a strange archetype to be. Um, if you give him the ball and you let him cook off the bench, he can give you, you know, 10 points a night, 12 points a night, but are you willing to kind of, you know, throw some of your system out, out the window to, to allow him to have that responsibility. Uh, I think the answer from Chris Finch so far has been no. Um, they'd probably rather play with a point guard like McLaughlin, who, who's more of an organiser and a floor general, who, who might not be able to give you 10 points a night, but can, can set the table for other guys. Uh, so I, I do like Noel. I think eventually he'll end up somewhere else and it'll be one of those guys where you say like, man, you know, we could have used him. Yeah. But but he, he does need to be that microwave scorer off the bench and he needs a, a coach to to give him that leash and I don't think he's probably going to get it here at least not in the in the short term Balmaro is the one that that fans love he's just become like a cult hero the Um, euros that people love (laughs) yeah he was their 23rd pick last season I think they obviously got McDaniels and Edwards and he was the the other guy um spent the season in Spain for Barcelona uh had a really good season there as as a as a bench guy but just a a big guard defender uh, I think he's six seven um, he played point guard pretty much predominantly for Barcelona uh, really good vision he's got that euro vision um, he's a, a poor three-point shooter which isn't really a European trade obviously he's from Argentina so he's not even European he's South American but you know he played in Europe and um, but he's a great defender great on-ball defender he's been getting rotation minutes in the last three or four games which is yeah, pump the fan base up a little bit. So I think Balmaro is the one to watch in terms of Timberwolves' future. Uh, I think they really see a future for him in Minnesota. Um, and he's got a, a really strange skill set that can work. Uh, more of a connector in that, in that I guess, like Lonzo Ball, you know, early Lonzo Ball kind of role where he's big and he's not a great shooter, but he's a really good passer and a really good defender. And he can kind of connect the offense between your other good players while, while being a guy who kind of fades into the background as a scorer but, but does a lot of the little things. So 
if he can improve that three-point shot and, you know, become a little bit bigger and, and stronger and just grow into his body a little bit, he's definitely the guy that I'd keep an eye on. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of – I was a big fan of his pre-draft and I'm a big fan of his still now. So, yeah, that him and Noel are the ones that I could see ending up, you know, in three years, guys that, that all fans know. Yeah, oh, that's good, man. You yeah, appreciate that. So in terms of we we touched on the offense and the defense and um and you know things sort of clicking with some you know there've been some wins over some good teams some wins over some bad teams if the defense um you know continues to stay around that same and even if opponents hit more shots which they probably will and it sort of stays around that ten or twelve and then the offense really starts to click you know Cat's obviously playing well I mean he's we know he's a guy that can average thirty and fifteen and um and Anthony Woods is only going to get better as he gets accustomed to the league, and these other younger guys come along. What, what, what does what do you think this team is going to do this season? Um, do you think they're going to be um, better than playing? Can they get get up to the sixth seed? I know that it's hard, it's obviously hard to predict that, um, mm. but can you see them actually starting to play better? And then when you look at how some of the other West teams like the Lakers are really struggling, um, the Blazers have been struggling, the Nuggets have a ton of injuries. When you look at the personnel that the Wolves have, there's no doubt that with the injuries that the other these other teams have, especially the long term ones, that their personnel is equal to some of the six, seven, eight teams in the West um, in terms of seeds. Where can you see the Wolves finishing the season? Yeah, I think you broke it down fairly well, and kind of you know I'm on the same line of thinking coming into the season. I, I was thinking like they their ceiling is probably a play in team. Um, now, when you look at the West, I think that they they are they'd have to have, you know, not a dramatic collapse, but I think it would be really disappointing if they weren't at least a tenth seed. I think that they're, you know, look you look at the West, and, and if you're better than the Sacramento Kings, that's probably the the bar for being the tenth seed. Um, I'd maybe prematurely write off the the Thunder, Rockets, Pelicans, Spurs. And that leaves you with the Kings at the 11th seed, but which they are right now, and then you, and then you get to the play-in. So like I I think my expectations have gone from hopefully they can get in the play-in to they should be in the play-in, and I think that if everything broke right, like you said, um, maybe they're 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 in the eight, and and lo and behold they could get to seven or six. Um, they probably just need a you know a good run in March to, to get themselves there or, you know, God forbid a couple more injuries to other teams, which you obviously don't want, but you know, that, that is what happens in the NBA. If, if you're one of the teams that can maintain health, um, you give yourself a really good chance to, to, to leapfrog a few teams that maybe are better than you when, when the, you know, everything's even and level um, health wise. So I, I think if you were asking me, you know, to predict, I would predict them in that, in that eight, nine ten range um but I, I definitely do think that the ceiling for this season has gone up a small notch to maybe you know that that seven or six seed and and you know if they were to make the six seed and make the playoffs kind of outright without without having to go through that playing tournament um that would be massive for the franchise because even making the playing tournament and just getting one important game into Anthony Edwards and into Carl Anthony Towns, you know, in terms of play-in or playoff kind of atmosphere, and a bunch of games, I guess, leading up to those where you need a win to stay in that race, um, mm. I think would be huge. Like Cats obviously made the playoffs before, but just for one series, D'Angelo Russell the same, just just for one series, uh, and Anthony Edwards has never made it. And I think one of the problems with Cat and with 
you know, some other young guys that have come through the franchises, they just, it took them so long to get to that playoff stage um, that they really didn't develop the winning habits. So if you, yes. my concern, or I guess like what I'm hoping for is that you get them into Anthony Edwards early. You know, you want to see him, even if it's the 10th seed, get to play in, in a big game at the end of the season and and hopefully showcase himself on that stage and, and, and really cement himself as a guy who can, who can lead a team to big wins. And I think this team has the talent that, that even if they are the 10th seed, I, w- I wouldn't bet against them playing a, you know, a Memphis or a Portland or a, you know, Denver in a one-off game. So yeah. that's where you've got to be. And if everything broke right, maybe they can even get to, to a point where they don't have to play that game. And that would be a definite, you know, huge tick on the season. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's such a great breakdown. Um, we're gonna we're gonna close this pot out, man. Uh, appreciate you jumping on and imparting your wisdom. And uh, as I said to 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 the fans before they're listening in, um, go and follow these independent sports writers. You know, we we don't if you don't realize that that um, people like Mark Stein even are going away from the traditional. I'm going to work for the New York Times. Journalism is now becoming independent, and um, it's important that we go and support these platforms and um, give these people a voice because that's where we're seeing our great content. So uh, follow our guy, Jake Painting, on uh, Twitter. Um, Jake, uh, J-A-K-E, and then P-A-Y-N-T-I-N-G. Follow him on Twitter. Great Timberwolves content. Thank you so much, man, for um, yeah for the part you play on on Dirty Old NBA Twitter. Uh, we, wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but, yeah, it's, I appreciate you coming on, and it's cool to see the Wolves just being yeah, a good team, man, and... Um, and yeah, um, shout out to our to our NBA brothers in Australia, doing some cool stuff. And um, yeah, thanks for ha- having um, spending this time to come on the pod with me. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and, and all the nice words. I, I'm not sure, you know, if I deserve them. I'll, I might have to Venmo you some cash later for all the, all the nice words. But um, yeah, like you said, I, I even if it's not me, I, I do agree that you know support the independent guys out there because. I know we put in a lot of fucking work. So, yeah. you know, if um if this kind of if that just makes one person go and follow their favorite team's, you know, independent guy, then that that's I think that's a win for, for everyone in the in the business and in the this side of things. Especially for us that, that are, you know, overseas and, and doing it kind of on a different time zone to everyone else. So yeah, <laughs> I appreciate all the kind words and for having me man. on. Uh, it was an awesome conversation, dude. Yeah, awesome. You have a really good night, my man. Thank you. See you, man.